What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. I got DMAC out of Denver uh, Nuggets Media Day. We got James Marilot hanging with us, too. Rachel V. Hill, good morning, everybody. We've got a lot of Broncos talk to get into. We've got some uh, Survivor Pool challenges, I guess, to give out to later on at some point. And we need to talk about Melvin Gordon as well. So, everybody, how are you? James, how was your weekend? Uh, it was pretty good. It ended on a high note. I'll put it that way. The Broncos pulling it off at the uh, at the last minute was uh, a good way to cap a, cap my weekend. We need we needed a win. We'll put it that way. The Maryland family didn't get a lot of wins this weekend. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. What happened to the Academy? The Academy lost to uh, third ranked Delta. It was it was rough. Fourteen fourteen in the third quarter, and then it got away from them. Oh, oh, heartbreaker. As I told them and I told my eighth grade team, they don't give out trophies in September. We'll be all right. There you go. It's a good way to look at it. And DMAC, how many people are out there at Denver Nuggets Media Day? It's packed. It's uh, a lot of people are here. And Michael Porter Jr. is speaking right now. Just heard from DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green entering his 16th season. Heard from Calvin Booth and Michael Malone. And James, you will absolutely love this moment right here. Michael Malone admitted that the reason they go to San Diego is because they simply don't have two courts to have training camp. The facility here is literally too small for them to have it here. He hopes that they have it here in the future when a new facility is built. That, I can't believe I actually heard that, but that actually happened uh, not, not so long ago. Yeah, there you go. I mean, it's, you know, their, their facilities for both the Nuggets and the Abs are outdated and antiquated. I think the Abs are laughable. You're right. They need two sheets of ice. They need two courts, but they got to have their own. If you've ever been to Boston, and I don't know what the main highway is there, but you drive by and there's the facility for the Celtics and the and the Bruins right there along the highway. It's like, man, that's how a uh, that's how an organization should do it. So hopefully that's what the Nuggets and Abs have soon. It was it was just interesting to hear the coach say it, and then DeAndre Jordan uh, was asked. I mean, Jeff Green and DeAndre were asked about going to San Diego, and DeAndre was like, "Well, I was looking forward to training at altitude." And so I don't, I don't know if he actually realized that, <laughs> that they, they go away. And you know what? I guess I didn't exactly realize that that was the main reason as well, that they always go on the road for training camp. But it looks like that actually really is the main reason. They just don't have the space. You know, not to be an alarmist, but one of the things I think is a, is a problem for the Rockies is they never spend a three-week period of time, ever, at altitude and you have to have three weeks here to get acclimated to it. And then when you leave and come back, you're fine. They never do it. The Broncos obviously do. The abs obviously do. And the nuggets typically do. They've gone in the past and trained in Durango and some other places that are high altitude. This is a little bit of a a sneaky worry of how this all shakes out. Hopefully they'll have time when they get back from there that they have that three week period, but I don't like that. They're going to San Diego, go somewhere at altitude. I, I think this is a little bit, little bit concerning. Only James Merrill. All right, James James Merrill. Merrill. real quick, real quick, just real quick. You have to understand, though, they've been having basketball practices and runs here in the facility literally for weeks and weeks and weeks. It, basketball is different than all these other sports. I mean, they got an open gym. They got their own 24-hour fitness, and, and they have been practicing together. By the way, did you guys see Aaron Gordon's house that is a garage in a basketball gym? Did you guys check that video out? No, no. no. Dude, you got a. He had the whole team over to his garage. There were cars in there, a full basketball court. Uh, like it was like t- uh, t- uh, two levels high. 
<laughs> you gotta go see the video of Aaron Gordon's house that he has a basketball court garage. So I'm not that concerned about it. It's a tiny little thing. It's obviously more of an inconvenience than anything. And these guys train and have been working out together actually for quite a bit of time. Okay, well, if we find that video, we'll retweet it on 104.3 The okay. Fans account. Because, yeah, I would love to see it and, uh, to make oh, millions sick. of dollars. It's, it's, about Bones, it's about Bones Highland. Look for Bones Highland. But he okay. posted him putting up a bunch of shots at Aaron Gordon's house. It was crazy. Anyways, okay. Nuggets. Well, All right. It, yeah, interesting. To make a million or lots of millions of dollars would be nice to do whatever the heck you want with a basketball court in a garage. But – uh, while that is crazy, it's not as crazy as the 11-10 to 10 score that the Broncos had in Sunday night football as they beat the San Francisco 49ers. Only the second time we've ever seen that scoreline. Um, the last time was back in 2008, but the defense really won the game for the Broncos, James. And I know you're very high on the train right now. It is pretty much the Fangio defense that never was. Yeah, it's 180 degrees from the Fangio defense. I thought it was interesting – uh, last week, maybe the week before, I think it was Nathaniel Hackett who kind of went out of his way, may have been Manidro Evero, to talk about all the other people who've influenced him other than Vic Fangio because it was the, oh, the Vic Fangio tree. It's like he worked with Wayne Phillips. He worked with all these other people. Like, enough with the Vic Fangio apologist. Vic Fangio's defense, late in games, couldn't stop Mitch Trubisky, Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett. The list goes on and on and on. Say what you will about, hey, it was Davis Mills last week and it was Jimmy G this week. In both games, the opposition had two possessions in the final three minutes with the chance to go down and tie the game in the case of the Texans or win the game last night. And the Broncos defense came up huge. They also came up huge in Seattle when they were Broncos were trailing 17-16. They kicked the ball deep. They forced the three and out. They actually forced a fumble that just, if not for a bad bounce, sets the Broncos up in in great field goal range. This defense is different. It is the polar opposite of Vic Fangio's bend but don't break death by paper cut. This group comes after people, forces the issue, makes plays. They were sensational again tonight. They're the number one reason to be excited about this team because that defense is legit. I'm not going to say it's 2015, but it's the best defense we've seen in this town since Super Bowl 50, without a doubt. The fact that, that Russell Wilson now is 18-4 and four against the Niners, boy, he is their boogeyman. And so now maybe the truth is we really do have a good Tebow. I mean, that was Tebow, guys. You know, things were a disaster and then somehow, some way. But that never made Tebow like a great quarterback. It just means that. Oh, it never fails. James, it never fails. At one point or another, even if the video looks so good up until we go live, it never fails. I know. We had like a 10-minute conversation off air. It was totally fine. I do want to say, and I hope DMAC comes back for this, because it's going to be the Russell Wilson gets all the, the all the flack and Nathaniel Hackett gets all the flack. But, and I'm writing this column today. I'll put it up at DenverFan.com. It, you blame Mike McCoy. You blame Bill Musgrave. You blame Rich Gangarello. You blame Pat Shermer. You blame VJ, you blame Vic, you blame Nathaniel Hackett, you blame the 10 quarterbacks who played here since Peyton Manning. At some point, we keep getting the same result, just changing those three factors. Mm-hmm. Maybe the surrounding cast stinks, right? Maybe Cortland Sutton is a pretty good wide receiver, but not great. Maybe Jerry Judy is a bust. Maybe Albert O's gonna... isn't particularly good, and this tight ends room is mediocre. Maybe Javante Williams is a good back, but not a great back. Like, at some point, like if you keep changing the factors that you think it is, 
and you keep getting the same result, which is a bad offense, maybe there's no one open for Russell Wilson. Maybe he doesn't have any time to throw the football. I mean, at some point, we got to look at all those guys and not just pin it on the head coach, the offensive coordinator, or the quarterback, because we've changed that a million times over, and it keeps turning out to be the same result. Maybe the Broncos country is overvaluing guys like Javante, guys like Cortland, guys like Jerry Judy, guys like Alberto. Maybe they're just mediocre. And when you have a mediocre supporting cast, that tends to be the, uh, the, the product you get on the field. C-Mac, welcome back. I wonder if you got a call because you're a very popular man and sometimes that happens <laughs> to you. Uh, but James, on your point, I actually almost tweeted out last night when Jerry Judy had the drop pass. Jerry Judy, if you want to be great – you need to catch that pass. And we saw him talking some smack last night on Twitter. And I'm Ooh. like, you need to be a lot better than well, that to be able to go out on Twitter and say those things. No doubt. And, I, and look, Russell Wilson made a few plays last night. Mm-hmm. But how many times in the first three games have we said, boy, that, his, his teammates really bailed him out? Not very often, right? He just he doesn't get a lot of help. And look, if you're a great quarterback, you're supposed to make everybody better. Peyton Manning made a lot of, you know, six and seven wide receivers, a lot of money because he made them look really, really good. Um, So, you know, it's partially on Russell Wilson for sure. But I think at some point we do have to look at it and say, maybe it's a bunch of mediocre receivers, tight ends and running backs and and offensive linemen because we keep getting the same result. it's, it's, It's Groundhog Day with that offense. How many official drops were there yesterday, guys? Do we do you guys know? I don't. You know, I haven't looked. It seemed like there was three or four. It uh, felt like that was that way against Houston, too, though, and I think there was only one official drop. It was – there was um, – here's – it was only one against Houston because another significant drop was actually flagged, and the play didn't count. Um, and the only one was out Al, actually Alberto. So there was only one drop against the Texans. That's, that's why I am curious what the official drops were yesterday. Yeah, and it's and look, Russell Wilson, he missed Jerry Judy on the in the flat for what should have been a first down on a third yes. and short. Like that's a bad throw. You have to make that throw. But other than that, I don't have a lot of them to jump to mind of like, oh my gosh, that was just a, a miss by Russell Wilson. And we did see the difference between him and the ten quarterbacks who came before him. His ability to scramble, buy some time, and find Kendall Hinton down the field for a twenty yard gain or whatever it was. That was one of the key plays in the game. That's what Russell Wilson can do that the whole litany of mediocre quarterbacks who've been here since Peyton Manning couldn't do. So I think the piling on of Russell Wilson is, uh, is premature. I, I think he's, he's looked really good in spots, and I think a lot of it's just getting in sync, and a lot of it is, hey, he's got to get some help around him too. Well, we got a comment that says it really comes down to the O-line. A great O-line fixes most of our offensive frustrations. True or false, James? Well, yeah, great O-line does, right? Mm-hmm. If you're running behind the Great Wall of Dallas, you're going to have all sorts of success. Um, I, I think they need to be better. I mean, it's frustrating to watch right tackle continue to be a turnstile as Cam Fleming can't block anybody. And, you know, Billy Turner and Nathaniel Hackett's their best friend who seems imaginary at this point because we've never seen him. Uh, it just still can't get out on the field. But that spot's been a problem for a decade. It really has been. Even when they were winning, super, winning the Super Bowl, they were kind of, you know, patching that. So that's frustrating. Garrett Bowles does look like he's regressed to pre-COVID Garrett Bowles, that maybe he did just shine because he was playing in stadiums with no fans and 
They weren't calling holding, but yeah, it's a pretty mediocre offensive line. Dalton Reiser's in the last year of his deal for a reason. They haven't given him a second contract because he's been disappointing. He's a guy that John Elway said was going to go to multiple Pro Bowls. How about just getting near one? That would be good. So, yeah, it's a mediocre group that needs to be better, but that ain't going to get fixed between now and the end of the season. Like, they're going to have to try and hodgepodge what they have and, and make the most of it. No, and, and that's why you at least need the threat of Russell Wilson being able to move around, okay? You do. Um, Tom Brady never had great offensive lines his whole time, and uh, but he just, you know, got rid of the ball so quick. Um, I don't know, man. There's been um, a lot. Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning didn't have great offensive lines. Listen, the, the, the Broncos need to the, alert everybody. Russell Wilson needs to tell everybody, there's a possibility I'm going to move. And he proved that yesterday. It was great. It was like, I mean, he was a little bit late to get to it, but when he finally got to it, he sent a message, and it was terrific. And they'll probably grow and, and learn off of that. By the way, Wilson took a shot at Seattle by saying he could move left and right as he was, you know, pegged to being a one-way guy there in Seattle. So he had a good time taking a shot. And I liked Russell Wilson uh, after the game yesterday. First of all, he didn't take forever to get to the podium. It was a more reasonable amount of time. And then he sounded like a real human being. He didn't sound like a, a manufactured guy. I, I, I believed he was as genuine as I've heard him the entire time because now he realizes, listen, if this is going to work, I, I am going to have to put myself out there. And he did last night. And I thought he moved really well. I mean, there was the hope, right, that he kind of was pre-COVID Nikola Jokic where he came in out of shape and kind of played his way into shape. He looked different last night than he even did in week one. He moved around better. And even the, the play where he lunged for the first down, yeah. they challenged it and it got overturned. Like, okay, he showed some quickness, some escapability. He was willing to kind of lower his shoulder and, and, and put his body on the line and try and get the, the extra yardage. So I thought he moved better last night, certainly than he did in week one, even than he did last week. So part of it's willingness. I think that's a little bit of it. And then I, if we're just being honest, I think he looks like he's getting into better shape because he didn't look – quite like he'd uh, spend as much time at the buffet line last night. Apparently my mic was muted. Uh, DMAC, we're going to catch up with you a little bit after 11 o'clock. Go let us know what MPJ is saying. But James, I actually did see the Russell Wilson crew earlier too. Um, after our post-game show, there was probably 15, maybe 16 individuals waiting outside the Broncos locker room for him. But what's going to be interesting is, of course, when we go to Las Vegas, Next week, we are tied for first in the AFC West. I say we as if I play on this team. The Broncos are tied for first in the AFC West. Surprising, I will say, with the Chiefs. I, it kind of caught me a little bit off guard, but the Raiders are 0-3, the only team in the NFL to have um, to not have won a game. But we're still the underdogs when you look at this game. Should that be the case, or are they giving the Raiders a little too much credit? Well, I, you know, you normally get three points for home field, right? And then, uh, you know, the Broncos have been underwhelming to out, to outsiders in terms of their wins, right? 16 points against the Texans, 11 last night. So I, I kind of get it. And you look at it and say, are the Raiders really going to start 0-4? I mean, I think that's part of it, too. Of The NFL is so evenly matched, and we see it every week. And we're going to hear about it here when we do our survivor pool, which I think I've now lost twice in three weeks. It's an impossible league to predict, even just winners. So for a team to go 0-4, especially one that was in the playoffs a year ago and has Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and, you know, all sorts of talent on it, 
I think part of that is just the law of averages. But I'm telling you, that place is going to be half Broncos fans. Try and find a hotel in Vegas for next weekend anywhere that's not a dump. I, I mean, you can't. It, it's not even that the prices are spiked. Everything is sold out. So part of that is that Raiders fans, a lot of them have to travel in, right? Because they sell people come from Oakland and from L.A. and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of that is going to be Broncos fans. It's the first time they'll get the chance to truly travel out there and go to a game. You had the COVID year. Then you had last season where I believe in Vegas you had to have a vaccination card in order to get in. This year it's, you know, back to normal and everybody can go. That place is going to be teeming with orange. It's going to be a pseudo home game for the Broncos. They're going to win that one. Josh McDaniels is going to go to 0-4. We're two down, five to go on my road to 7-1. and one. Next week is a The next week is a small, small hurdle. Broncos don't even have to jump to get over that one. First of all, have you been looking at the hotels in Vegas? Because you sure seem to know what prices and the fact that they're sold out are. You know, I, I want to come on to the show and have something to report and share and, and you know, provide oh. with the viewers. Did I uh, maybe, you know, flirt with the idea of, hey, as soon as uh, youth football is done on Saturday, get on an airplane and go to Vegas? Sure. But there's no hotels, so I'm out. Oh, that's a bummer. Although we'll see you in London, right? I will be in London. Yeah. You got a you got a trip on your horizon. What's that? I said you got a trip on your horizons coming up. I do, I do. That'll be fun. But the Vegas one always sort of, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's hard not to kind of think about it. It's such a quick and easy trip, and always so much fun. But there's going to be a ton of Broncos fans there. I think as soon as the schedule came out in May, people started booking it and getting those flights and and getting those. Uh, hotel reservations so it will be a great atmosphere It'll be a lot of fun for broncos country just the whole area in and around the stadium you know t-mobile for the where the golden knights play isn't far away it's all a walk from mandalay bay and all that kind of stuff like it's a it's a good scene on a game day so it'll be a it'll be a ton of fun for broncos country and all the fans that make the trip no for sure and so we talked about it earlier being the 11 to 10 score line we haven't seen it since 2008 but to be honest there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened uh, this weekend in the NFL and even this morning with the NBA. But let's go into the Buffalo Bills because we've got video footage. I'm going to pull it up real quick um, of their OC showing very, very strong frustration. Oh, my goodness. I understand it is tough, but I love, first of all, that somebody takes their hand and covers it, um, that camera, because, yeah, the frustration was there for the Buffalo Bills. Hey, if uh, if Tommy can show it again, watch the coach that's two seats down. Watch him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't have any problem. I don't have any problem with Ken Dorsey's reaction. I really don't. Right? He's throwing around a notebook and you know hurting some electronics equipment. It's very frustrating when you get to that spot when you're coaching. Um, you know, you only have so much control, so that gets frustrating too. Listen, I, I'm I'm the one that's going to bag on Jimmy Garoppolo for being all smiles on the field last night after your team just lost. So if I'm going to be hard on people who act like that after a loss, I can't also be hard on people who take it seriously and show some passion and are as frustrated as Buffalo Bills fans at the end of that game. It didn't hurt anybody. You know, if he broke something, fine. Let him pay for it. Let him replace it. Not the end of the world. But, yeah, it's a, it's an emotional game. It's a frustrating game. These guys put in a ton of work, and it comes down to the end. It's a game the Bills dominated statistically. The fact that they were trailing is almost hard to figure. And then, yeah, it's frustrating that Isaiah McKenzie either doesn't get out of bounds or doesn't go down in the middle of the field. Like, the last thing you can do is burn four or five seconds trying to get one extra yard and move the ball further away from getting centered. Like, 
you know, you just, you get frustrated. So I understand it. I actually appreciate it. It makes me uh, like and respect Ken Dorsey all that much more. Any, anybody, honestly, who's upset about that, boy, I, I think that's a Charmin soft at that point. Oh, I'm so glad you bring up Charmin uh, right there because we've all known about the butt fumble, uh, but how about a butt punt, everybody? Uh, we saw that against or in the Miami game as well. And Charmin tweets, those cheeks are going to need something soft. Check your DMs. Are you kidding me with the Charmin right there? Uh, a butt punt, though, man. We, we got some good stuff this weekend. I did not know that was coming, so that was actually a really good segue. It's it's a honestly it's a, it's surprising to me that that doesn't happen more because mm-hmm. that up back right he's looking trying to see where the the unblocked defender may be coming from and kind of moving and you know especially when you're in your own end zone and that gap gets uh, gets shortened so yeah that was a, that was a crazy play I really thought after that happened that the the Bills were going to win that they were just going to go down and get the game winning field goal at that point so crazy game and every single week Rachel it is a crazy league so you know anything can happen and yesterday we saw it in a lot of in a lot of different ways I mean I really thought Buffalo was one of those teams that they were going to be the last undefeated team remaining I figured when they finally lost the game it would be something weird it was because I think they had you know outgained Miami two to one yesterday and they lost I just didn't think it would be in week three but how about the three remaining undefeated teams Miami and Philly are three and oh very few people would have had them and then the Giants, who play tonight, are 2-0. They have a really good chance to remaining undefeated as Cooper Rush tries to go into the Meadowlands and win on Monday Night Football in a hostile environment. I don't like Dallas's chances in that one. So, man, go, uh, go cash your ticket if you had Philly, the Giants, and the Dolphins as the last three undefeated teams in the NFL this year. Dude, I'm riding the Giants, or not the Giants, the Dolphins so hard. I think they're going to go far. Adding Tyreek really just elevated that offense. It's been fun to watch them. But another one that was interesting, and it happened last night in the Sunday night game, was Jimmy Garoppolo stepping out of bounds to get a safety, which kind of saved him, to be honest. Otherwise, we would have definitely gotten a a touchdown because Bradley Chubb with the pick. Uh, But, I mean, what can you say? Just another crazy thing to see on Sunday night football. Yeah, for sure. And I love the fact that Dan Orlovsky leans into it, right? His tweet yeah. is up there. He's, he's kind of infamous for running out of the back of the end zone. It certainly hasn't hurt his career. He's gone on to a great television career. But that's the best way to handle something like that, right? We all mess up. We all do things. We're like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to live that down. Don't try to. Just lean into it. Embrace it. It's like Peyton Manning does with the fact that he holds the record for interceptions by a rookie quarterback. If you make fun of it, a lot of other people are just going to be like, oh, he already beat me to the punch, right? So I think Dan Orlovsky kind of taught us all or showed us all a lesson there. Just be willing to laugh at yourself. Just lean into it. What's what's the difference? He stepped out of bounds in an NFL game. Jimmy Garoppolo made a mistake last night. Hey, it was good for the Broncos, but uh, there, are bigger, uh, there are bigger issues in the world than that blunder, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, Melvin Gordon's been a hot topic here in Broncos country. So I actually want to bring in our very own Andrew Mason because he had a good piece last night uh, for DenverFan.com. And Mike Kliss had actually tweeted out, you know, talking to uh, Melvin Gordon in the locker room. And Mace, I don't know if you were around for that conversation, but essentially Melvin talked about how, you know, he's working so hard on keeping the ball and all that matters at the end of the day is getting a dub. Yeah, and that's what he told uh, me as well when uh, it, when uh, he was I was in a small group with him and a couple other people uh, at another point in the lock in the locker room availability. And I mean, he talked. I mean, he really. I mean, he was 
down about the fumbles. He was ecstatic about the win, mad at himself for the fumbles. Um, and the way he celebrated that touchdown, like just firing the football, like 40 rows up into the stands. I mean, uh, the way I, what I wrote was that it was cathartic for the offense. It was cathartic for him after, after the two, the, the two fumbles. And I mean, the interesting thing last night is that on a per touch basis, Gordon and Javante Williams were very were very even, and he and the difference was the two fumbles. Although this time the Broncos held on to fumbles, I think there was a streak of something like nine consecutive fumbles, which I believe goes back to uh, the Los Angeles Chargers that Melvin Gordon had had that had been lost that the other team had recovered. And usually it's about fifty two percent of fumbles get recovered by your own team, so he had some good luck there. But three fumbles in three games, I mean, he he knows that if you keep doing that you're not going to keep your job. I mean, it's a very good point, but should Broncos Country not be as hard? Oh, okay. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm I'm, going to give him a little bit of a pass on the fumbles. Here's why. Right. Like there's a, there's all fumbles are different and it wasn't as though he was running with the ball and it was loose and somebody came up and punched it and he's not securing the ball. The one that Russell Wilson recovered the play could have been whistled dead two seconds earlier. He's just behind the pile. He's not going anywhere. He's just sitting there, and they're just ripping at him. Like, blow the play dead. And then the other one, he was essentially on the ground. He dropped it, and he recovered it himself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Melvin Gordon, get the, the, the double standard for Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams is ridiculous, right? Javante Williams can fumble the ball last year against Washington at the end of the game, and nobody says a word about it because the Broncos recovered it. The next play, Melvin Gordon fumbles, and it gets turned over, and it's like, oh, my God, he's the worst player ever. Now Melvin Gordon fumbles twice. Broncos don't lose any one of them, and that's what everybody's talking about as opposed to the fact that he scored the game-winning touchdown, the only and, touchdown yeah. in the game. It's like, gee, many Christmas. He, and I, I get a lot of the reasons why he's disliked in this market, and I think Javante Williams is a better player too, but holy cow, it's a double standard when it comes to Melvin Gordon. At least the state, he, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm done. I'm, my rant's over, yeah. Mason. Yeah. I mean, the, the, actually, the fun, the thing is, uh, right now, the biggest difference for, for them the, for them is in per carry, because right now, Javante is 4.8, Melvin is 3.9. But then you throw in that Melvin gets one more yard on receptions. I mean, they're basically, like last night, they were, I think there was about one-tenth of a yard difference in terms of yards per touch when you add what? in the receptions and, and, and the rushes. And I think you made a good point on the fumbles. I'll even set, talk about that first fumble in week one. He's met in the backfield by like two guys. He doesn't have a shot. That and the fumble again against the Chiefs last year was kind of the same thing. He bar- he didn't even have a chance to secure the ball before he got hit because guy because Albert O got beat up front. I mean, it's like interceptions, right? Every every fumble has a story, and yeah, you, he's con- he's concerned about it. But I think look, they are closer to equal than a lot of Broncos fans want to realize, Correct. and. The Broncos are using them close to equal. Last night, Javante, 33 snaps. Melvin, 28. Javante, 18 touches. Melvin, 17 touches. This is how they see the two of them, as near equals. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the ones in Seattle, right? Because they both fumbled at the one-yard line. Mm -hmm. Both of them. And both cost the Broncos points. Well, in theory. But those fumbles aren't treated equally. Nobody mentions the Javante one. Melvin Gordon's was fourth and goal. He gets met at the two-yard line. You have no choice but to lunge for the goal line Mm because you're turning the ball over on downs. 
and he loses it. Javante Williams was third down. If he just goes down in the backfield, doesn't fumble the ball, then Nathaniel Hackett has a decision to make. Do you kick it and take the three points or do you, uh, or, or do you go for it? But Melvin Gordon's didn't really cost them points. It was fourth and goal. If he just goes down where he's hit and doesn't fumble, they turn it over on downs anyway. And they're, so really, Javante Williams was worse. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, people act like it didn't happen. I mean, Broncos country with Javante Williams is the Little League mom keeping the scorebook, right? <laughs> you hit the ball to the first baseman, it rolls through the, the, the guy's legs and goes out to right field. And the right fielder was picking up dirt clods and guy runs around and it's a triple. No, it wasn't. It was an error on two different guys, but not according to the Javante Williams fans. I mean, the 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 double standard. Holy cow! All right, now I'm done. With Sounds a lot like a lot, what a lot of people said about Drew Locke for a while. It was among a lot of segments of the fan base. It was never Drew's fault. I know. So anyway, yep. yep. <laughs> We're all in the Drew Locke um, Locke fan club over here. I feel like we've never got a true opportunity, but we do have to talk because James is a loser. Mace, you're a loser. I'm a loser, and our very own Will Peterson is also a loser. So we're going to bring him in because in our survivor pool, we've got to do um, who's going to be the biggest loser of the week. So give me a quick second while I Did we up. all have the Chargers? We did. Dang, right. dang Chargers, everybody. Hey, listen, we weren't close. Like, <laughs> I lost in week one on the two-point conversion by the Titans when the Titans gave that up to the Giants. That felt bad. This one, whatever punishment comes my way, I got coming. I mean, we lost like four oh. touchdowns. That was a nice intro, Rachel. You, you just said, Will Peterson is a loser. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Good morning to you all as well. Good morning, Will. Good morning. Uh, we're all losers, if that yeah. makes you feel any better. So let's do it. We're going to spin. We only grant one, since it's such a small group, we're very close here in the digital department, which we love, mm-hmm. but we're only going to pick one true loser. So let's spin this dang wheel. I lost this one. I know I'm going to lose it again. It's credit card. Oh, I, I'm going to lose it. Of course. Oh. Hey. Oh my gosh. Okay, James. Okay, we've got James. I have never not lost a game of credit card roulette, and this is the same thing. It's it's <laughs> remarkable. I I mean, at some point, you're due for some. A sanction to the mean here, right? I mean, like, like so. you're, you're due. Like the Raiders were due to lose these games this year so far because they were like nine. They were nine and three in their last twelve close games. I mean, you're you're due to have it go in your favor sometime. Maybe like after you know, in the second fifty years of my life, I just win everything. Maybe that's what's going to happen. It's got to swing at some point. That would actually be pretty awesome for you if that happened, though. <laughs> okay, so Jake had sent me the four things that you're going to have to choose from or whatever lands on it. So we've got coffee break with your hands tied next week. Okay. Hot rocks yes. in your mouth for a second. I'm Italian. I'm not sure the coffee break with my hands tied works, but okay, let's keep going. Um, coffee break and a helmet, which is the one I'm hoping for. And then we've got to... Oh. You, you got to find a helmet that fits me, so good luck. Oh, I'll find one that can fit you. Um, and it's then we have to be a leather helmet that stretches. <laughs> the word of the day, which everybody in the comments would vote on, or we're going to do a poll uh, later on over on Twitter. So are you ready, James? Wait, what was the last the last one? The word, word of the day. You've got to be able to get that in every sentence that you say. It's going to be helmet. Just go ahead and spin it. It's yellow. The, the word of the day would be poppycock or balderdash. One of the two. <laughs> Oh. oh! Break with your hands, tied. 
Tough, okay. tough for the Italian. All right, when do I do this? Like next week when I'm on? Or next Monday. Maybe week? we'll have you on later this week, James. We'll see okay. how the week goes. You never know when you need a James Merrillat rant. Are these like zip ties? Like I'm being kidnapped in a movie? Like what's what however you want? I think Jake had the idea. Oh, geez, is my shirt's like gonna fall off? Um, I'm just like behind your back, but we'll leave that up to Jake. This is all his thing, so I appreciate right. him putting all this together every week. Um, so I'm gonna leave it up to him. Uh, Will, though, how are you this morning? How that you're I'm not good, a true loser, you're just a semi loser no. with the rest of us. Well, the last time I joined you guys after a loss was also after a Broncos loss, you know, 17-16. And I, I told you I was actually grumpier when I woke up the next day. Today, like, I woke up even more thrilled. How often do you get to win a football game 11-10 to 10 in, in one of the most unique football games you will ever see? I mean, guys, I, obviously we were all locked in because it was a Broncos game. But this whole country watched 11-10 to 10 last night. And I, I did uh, lay in bed, couldn't sleep, and I retweeted one James Merrillat saying, I believe in the third quarter that the final score was going to be 11 to 10. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, Scorigami is a big thing. It was not Scorigami. There's been one other 11 to 10 game in NFL history. But, guys, that was – I'm not going to say a privilege because that's too strong of a word. But that was kind of a fun opportunity and sort of why we do this is we get to wake up today and go, wow, they're 2-1, and tied atop the AFC West, and they won freaking 11 to 10. Uh, I don't know where this roller coaster is going to lead us, but – Man, this season's off to some kind of start. All three games, plenty of drama, plenty of storylines, and they've come out on the right end in two of them. True. It's funny, though, the 180 that this entire group, to be honest, has done. Uh, from last week where we were all like, they beat a bad team, whoop de doo and here we are being like, yeah, they're 2-1. and one. We're so excited, but it definitely – Wait a minute. Okay. Go ahead. Ah. I'm jumping off the bandwagon. I'm 7-1 and one guy. <laughs> I mean, okay, James was always on it. I guess the rest of us. me in with the naysayers. I was driving that bandwagon by myself after the win over Houston, looking back at a bunch of empty seats. It's nice to see some people on board finally. Now, Rachel, you also tweeted uh, out that fancy graphic right before the game, and I would like to let everyone know that Will Peterson's name was Broncos Orange. I, James and I, and Mace, I don't know who you had, but there was not many people on that graphic <laughs> Who picked the Broncos? And I know Rachel Vigil was on the 49ers. I yeah, I had I had Broncos. Boy. There, I, I kind of played uh, both sides because on our pick 'em, I picked the Broncos, I'm pretty sure. And on our graphic, I picked the 49ers. That's kind of all over the place with it. <laughs> I can't win for anything on this survivor pool, <laughs> but I'm three and oh on the Broncos this year. I got that Seattle mm-hmm. one right, two, and they're gonna win their next five, guys. Mason and I are going to come home from London going, how in the world is this team 7-1? and one? <laughs> uh, Troy oh. said James did pick Seattle. He's the curse. <laughs> no, James. I'm just right. It's not a curse. <laughs> yeah, if he had that kind of power, he'd be living in Vegas. He Vegas. wouldn't be doing this with us. Listen, James is trying to get to Vegas this weekend, all right? We, we just had this conversation. Can't find a hotel anywhere. You really can't. Oh, the, well, the, the one I'm in – and I think they still had rooms was up in uh, Lake Las Vegas because I'm I'm not a strip guy. I'm I don't mind being a little bit away from it all. Uh, the the Westin Lake Las Vegas is actually a really nice hotel with really reasonable rates, but I'm not going to be at a casino. I'm just going to be chilling. I, I don't enjoy Vegas. I, that, like I'm, I'm not a Vegas person. 
I'm not, it's not my favorite place. I feel like it was a huge downgrade losing the San Francisco Bay Area on the AFC West road trips and exchanging it for Vegas. Because, I mean, Oakland is Oakland, but you you know, you could stay on the San Francisco side. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if you give me 36 hours in Vegas, I'll take that any time. Mm-hmm. I'm in. James, you could just yeah. go have a sleepover with Mace at his hotel and then just, like, go on down to the Strip whenever you please. Yeah, there's no casino though when you go out to Lake Las Vegas. There's no casino. There's no, Ubers. Yeah. You know, you could, you could. You know, you I actually know. rented a car for this one because it's cheaper than renting a car for for a day for 24 hours is cheaper than an Uber. Like going Uber place to place. So, you know, it's always kind of a. I, I I've always figured out what's the cheaper option, and I choose the cheaper option. Renting a car in Vegas, guy. Like yeah. that's a that's a that's an interesting move right there, Mace. I I hear, I hear you though. Yeah, and, and I know we're still on San Francisco, but we we obviously will look ahead to, to Vegas this week, guys. Just hearing you talk about that, what percentage of that stadium, Allegiant Stadium, is going to be orange on Sunday? I, it honestly might be sixty or seventy percent. It's going to be so many Broncos fans. Oh, because there weren't that many last year. I'd say last year was about five to ten percent, but it was the day after Christmas, and so that I think put a damper on some people traveling out there. Maybe a few people, it made it more likely for them to go. This one, I don't think it's going to be 50 to 60. I think it'll be a solid 25 to 30. I think you'll hear Broncos fans. You'll know they're there. But there's a solid amount of Raiders support in that building that's there every week. I, it's not L.A. But they're also 0-3. Right. McDaniels right. is yeah. meeting with Mark Davis. James can't get a hotel room. I'm just I'm saying yeah. it's going to be a 50-50. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. And it's the first time really the Broncos fans can go, right? 2 years ago was COVID and there was if anybody was there it was limited. Last year it was not only the day after Christmas, you still had to have a vax card and all that stuff to get in in Vegas. It was one of those few stadiums. Now it's just back to normal. It's October. It's a beautiful time to go there. I sound like I work for the Chamber of Commerce. I think it's going to be packed with with Broncos fans. Packed. Now, yeah, one thing real quick, though, is that a, a, lot, a lot of Raiders fans do come in from out of town for the games because, like, that's when you have two fan bases that usually are filling up hotels for those games because a bunch of Raiders fans come from the Bay Area and Vegas to go in every weekend. So it's a, it's a different crowd. Probably there are fewer r- people from the immediate area for Raiders games than any team in the NFL. Well, and here's the other thing is I don't think the Raiders fans have completely jumped off that team bandwagon despite them being 0-3. They lost one game in OT and they lost by two points. It's not like this team has been horribly awful. To be honest, I would have to say that the Broncos offense has looked way worse than the Raiders has. So I don't think people are completely hopping off. So I'm going probably 50-50. I do Mm -hmm. think there's going to be some Raider fans, but I do think Broncos country will be loud out there in Vegas as well. Yeah, one thing, this game as well, and we'll get into it as the week goes on, the Broncos have been an awful road team in the in the recent past, and I and I'm going to go back a little further. Do you guys remember a 2008 game? Broncos were three and zero in Shanahan's last year, and they go out to Kansas City, and Kansas City's terrible. They finished two and fourteen, and the Broncos lost. And I I get I have a bad feeling about this game. I think the Broncos, one way or the other, I think they go one and one in these next two. I have a bad feeling about the Raiders game, but I really am not still sure which one of these two that they lose. But I, I think they, they get a split from these games here in the next 10 days. I don't think they'll win both. 
Look, last night a trend ended, right? The Broncos had lost 15 consecutive games when trailing at halftime, 27 of their last 28. They yeah. nearly snapped that in week one. They should have snapped it in week one. They did snap it last night. They have been a bad road team, but Vic Fangio is getting further and further in the rearview mirror with each passing week. They're going to win this game, and Matt Ryan ain't coming in here on a short week and beating this 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 team in this defense. That just ain't happening. So the next two, I mean, my two and one getting to four and one, getting to seven to one, four and one's almost in the books. Yeah. Ten days from now, I'll be more than halfway there. Wouldn't be Matty Ice who beats you. Be Jonathan Taylor though. Yeah, but the, you know what? The Niners are a great running team, right? Yeah. The Broncos held them in check yesterday pretty well, except for the one big run on the touchdown drive. So yeah. I have faith in Ejero Evero's defense. He's a guy that, uh, honestly, by the end of the year, and this is going to sound crazy after three weeks, you're going to hear Ejero Evero's name come up with vacant head coaching yeah. positions. That's how good this defense is going to be. That's not crazy. I've, I've I've been thinking the same thing, and I, I even like – in practice kind of listening to him and watching him. I, I I would already talk him up for Carolina if they move on from Matt Rule. You look for a coach who's kind of the opposite. And, you know, Matt Rule does a lot of high school hairy type stuff out there. Uh, no offense, James, to you being involved in high school football. But um, Isher Evero strikes me as the guy who would go to, who'd be good for a place that's just had a lot of nonsense because he is a complete no-nonsense, no-BS uh, get down to business coach. I mean, he's really, he, he really stands out uh, on this staff. And uh, I think he's got the, the, the it factor to be a successful NFL head coach too. Well, and the way this defense flies around and the energy with which they play with, like, you know, a lot of defense is, is scheme, but a lot of it is attitude. And I like the, the that 2015 defense had swagger right mm-hmm. this defense plays with that too and it's just go 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 full speed all the time and yeah. a lot of that comes from the defensive coordinator and the tone they set and their ability to push the right buttons and i think he's done a fantastic job like i i, I know i sound like i'm his his agent at this point but this defense is legit and he's um, he's pushed all the right buttons taking what is largely the same group as last year right like randy gregory's been great i, I think you know the, the question remains, can he do this for 17 games? But the first three games have been fantastic. But look what he's getting out of Bradley Chubb. Look what he got out of Josie Jewell and Josie Jewell's return last night. Like, mm-hmm. he was fantastic uh, all over the field and used him in blitz packages. Uh, the, 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 his ability to get the most out of guys, to me, that's the sign of a great coach is, all right, what's the hand you've been dealt and how do you get the most out of it? Idro Evero has been fantastic already. Yeah, to be fair, Jewel was playing that way before he got hurt last year, too. So I don't want to totally rip on Vic. He got off to a great start. He was probably the best defensive player on the field early last season. But they looked at that film, and, and to their credit, I think, looking at how Jewel is now, Evero looked at those middle linebackers that were the inside linebackers who were all free agents and said, this is the guy I want. This is the guy I want as the quarterback of my defense, and and he played well. And then also, I mean, the the impact of uh, DJ Jones up front has been has really, I think, helped transform the run deep the run defense as well because he you know he is always getting a push. He's always occupying two blockers. He's basically exactly what the Broncos hoped he'd be. It's been so much fun to watch you guys. Uh, we were talking about Vegas though, and I just want to end the show on this note because Greg Popovich. Man, is he funny, and they're having the Spurs media day today just like the Nuggets are, and he told the media not to head out to Vegas too quickly. So I want to end the show on this one. Play the clip. I probably shouldn't say this. 
but I'll say it anyway. What the hell? Nobody here should go to Vegas <laughs> with the thought of betting on us to win the championship. <laughs> I love it. I think it's hilarious. Um, it's a good way to end your Monday. So don't go bet on the Spurs, James, if you make it out there. Mace, also safe travels later this week. And we're going to try and get you on Coffee Break more this week, too, because it's been a while since you've been on. But, Will, I'm glad you're not a total loser with the rest of us, uh, just James, this week. But next week, we'll see him with his hands tied. Everybody, thank you so much for hanging out with us here on Coffee Break. We'll be back 1030 tomorrow morning. Also, check out Mace and Cecil's show later this afternoon at 330 as they break down everything Broncos that you need to know. And we'll see everybody tomorrow morning. Bye, everyone.